It's the Locked On Flyers podcast for Thursday, February 23rd. Your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that is super excited to talk about Devin Kaplan on today's show, a Flyers prospect who's currently at BU. Yeah, he's a fun prospect to break down. Yeah, we will do that and touch on some casualties of the John Tortorella era for the Flyers all on today's show. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello there. I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here as always with the brilliant prospect expert, Russ Cohen, who is on Twitter at Sportsology. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Flyers. That is where we post about our latest episodes, draft information, Flyers news, all that good stuff. You can also email the show at Locked On Flyers at Gmail. Locked On Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. So subscribe. You'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Plus, we're over on YouTube if you want to see our salty expressions when we talk about various things. You can do that over there as well. Russ, uh, we have not heard as of recording about Travis Konechny yet. They were traveling yesterday and did not have practice, uh, which uh, we should find out at some point today, at least in the short term, what's going on. And I'm going to speculate that he is not playing in his next game. Yes, I, I would assume that he's not playing in either game this upcoming weekend. Probably true. Um, and the soonest we'd see him is next week. But, you know, again, we don't know what's going on there with uh, that officially. officially with the upper body injury. Um, we were talking on yesterday's show a little bit about Travis Sanheim. And in the mailbag questions, we talked about Felix Sandstrom as sort of being uh, guys who haven't fit in with the tort system, or in Felix Sandstrom's case, he just kind of got outplayed a little bit by Sam Erson, and John Tortorella kind of latched on to Erson as his backup guy. And so Felix Sandstrom has kind of been left out in the cold a little bit. And, you know, with Travis Sandheim, he just hasn't fit in this system well. And, you know, despite that big contract, hasn't really thrived and uh, I, so I'm just wondering like are those the major casualties of this towards era so far and, and like what are our biggest worries in terms of guys that ostensibly should be a big part of this team moving forward but won't be because of the coaching choices right so I mean it's probably only a 30% chance that like Travis Sanhan gets traded because of his contract so while he has not fit in, he probably has more um, runway than most to try and make that happen. Um, Sandstrom, I think, will still be around only because it's one more year. So I don't I don't think that's necessarily going to be a big deal. Only because I don't think there'll be a big market for him. And you need three goalies. And I don't think there's anybody else down below that they would feel comfortable sending up. Or at least that the coach would be feel comfortable actually playing. I think that's more important. So I kind of would leave those two, you know, Kevin Hayes, 
is one where I think there's a very slight chance that he gets moved. But again, his contract starts getting lesser in years. Probably the chances of him getting traded will be greater. So that's so he doesn't have as much runway as someone like Sanheim if he doesn't get traded this year, as an example. Right. And with Kevin Hayes, I've been going back and forth on is Hayes like not playing ball with Torts here or is it a system thing where he doesn't fit in or is it just Hayes' skill set is diminishing? Like, or is it a combination of all three? I mean, I lean toward that to some degree, but, you know, him getting rotated out of the center position I think did not sit well with him as we've talked about many times on this show. And is that making it so he is in, inclined to like play in the way he's used to playing and which doesn't necessarily always jive with what Torts is looking for out there. Yeah. I don't think his skill set is, is diminished. I think he's fully capable of getting points at the NHL level at the cost of you know, maybe other things where John doesn't want there to be any cost right. defensively. So that's that's one of the things. And I don't think there's been a full meshing of it. And so I think that's where, you know, Kevin Hayes' play has been a little erratic at times because of it. Like for maybe, what, a week and a half where he just wasn't shooting and he was only passing? Like that was inexplicable, right? So that's clearly like him being a little disgruntled and just saying, all right, I'm just going to try and set everybody up here. Right. And that's what I'm going to do now. Lately, he's been shooting more again. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think I think he went through a, a period where he wasn't feeling good about uh, his place on the team. So I think it's an up and down situation with him. Yeah. And nobody can doubt his contribution to the team this year. I mean, he has put a lot of points on the board um, and, yeah. and you cannot ignore that. Um, I, no. I'm just, yeah, I, I just get nervous about, you know, a, a guy who really should have been a key part of this team in a lot of ways. And despite all of those points he's putting on the board, it doesn't feel like he is a huge part of the future of this team. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, right now I'm, I'm with you on that and, and I'm 50, 50 with, um, with Rasmus Ristolainen in the sense that he has picked up towards his system and they've let him become more offensive lately. So he has put up points. Um, but I don't know if that's because they want to trade him and they're showcasing him or if that's because they finally trust him. So I'm kind of like in the middle with him. Yeah, it's an interesting situation because you're right. And they've given him some power play time, which is right. been like why all, of a, all sudden. of a sudden. Yeah, it does like beg the question of why and the team has certainly you know and towards specifically has not been clear about that at all you know no, if there's a no. specific reasoning why um why risto is getting power play time now there's the very valid reason that the power play has been terrible so maybe he's just you know th throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks perhaps but you know there is something to that but at the same time you know for a guy like risto who had had no offensive juice for most of the season i think it, it does again it just brings up the question and it makes you wonder again looking to next season what's the role of risto on this team and if not is he worth trading right uh what's the role well i think it's with ivan provorov as as a top pairing guy if provorov's still around yeah, a lot which, of moving which, pieces and question marks on the blue line here. Which I suspect he will be. So I think that's the role for now. 
that could change if they, you know, make some sort of trade and pick up a defenseman. So I don't think he has a cemented in role. I just think, again, very few do on the Flyers defense. Honestly, only um, Nick Sealer does because you know exactly where he's going to be. D'Angelo, you're not sure. He gets moved around for obvious reasons. He should be a third pairing guy. He should be the number five. But, you know, the, the coach hasn't always had it that way. So a lot of guys have been in flux. Provorov has not been in flux. He's one of the few. So, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think there's certainly been some casualties in terms of the prospect development due to what Torts' scheme is and his style. I think, you know, he is extremely demanding and doesn't tolerate a ton of mistakes, as we've seen with the benchings throughout the season. We've seen kind of the up and down roller coaster of Ali Lixel this season. Um, you know, I, and it's despite the fact that we've been talking about who might get a shot toward the end of the season, there's no guarantee here that any of the prospects will get called up. And the fact that we would question that even after a trade deadline where maybe they're down a, a man or two, I think says a lot about confidence that Torres has in prospect development overall, which is concerning, you know this isn't really as much a casualty of torts as a recognition of what torts is seeing that we kind of agree with to some degree. Well, I'll tell you what he likes in prospect development. He likes Noah Cates because he really doesn't have to do much with Noah Cates. He maybe tells him a few fine pointers and he's there. Uh, he, He likes Cam York because he sees the absolute talent that he has, even if it's second pairing talent, it's good talent, but he sees the talent. And just knew at the beginning, all right, look, I don't want to deal with it right now at the beginning of my tenure here. Go down to minors and work on it, kid. And then, you know, now he comes up. He definitely has more confidence. He's worked on a few things that Torts told him to. So he doesn't have to do much with Cam York anymore. Really almost nothing. That's what he likes in, in player development, honestly. Yeah. Young player development. Veterans, different story. But I think he is definitely a coach that thinks there's always room for guys to learn and grow and get better, which yes. is a good thing. But also, if a player has found success in a certain lane, pulling them too far out of that lane is, I think, you know, something that could cause damage. Joel Farabee. Well, <laughs> yes, in in a word or two, I guess. Uh, Joel Farabee is is a prime example of that. But yeah, so I think that overall, there have been some some casualties here with the Taurus era, whether intentioned or not. You know, this isn't a a value judgment on whether his choices have been good or bad overall. It's a this is what the situation is. And do we need to be concerned? It's almost a fact. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's leaning towards that way. Maybe in the next 20 something games, it changes. But so far, this is what we're seeing. Exactly. Well, uh, we do have to look to the future with this team. And we do have some bright spots and some guys that are in the system that are looking pretty good this year. One of them is Devin Kaplan, and we will be talking about him next. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000, that's bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, just download the FanDuel Sports app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scorers and threes drained. 
uh, you know, one thing you could bet on is maybe how many more games will LeBron James play this year? Because mm. uh, the commissioner of the league came out and said, I get it why players are sitting. And so, you know, you might see some more um, load management uh, as the season goes as winds down here. So something to look out for. Uh, plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your f- no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So, Russ, Devin Kaplan, uh, we're bringing him up for several reasons. Number one, uh, when we talked to Hadi from the Locked On Prospects show, uh, he brought up Devin specifically as somebody to keep an eye on in the flyer system that was maybe outperforming expectations um, and was on a good development path this season. And, you know, we tended to agree with that assessment. And so we're going to do a little bit of a deeper dive into Devin Kaplan, who was uh, selected in the third round in last year's NHL draft. That was 69th overall. Nice. And uh, Devin had been with the U.S. national team development program for the last couple of years. He was on the under 17 team where he had 39 points, uh, 12 uh, goals, 26 assists. Uh, in the previous year. And then last year for the U18 team, he had 56 points overall, 21 goals, 35 assists. He was on the U18 World Championship team where Team USA won a silver medal. And really, I think, you know, as a guy on a team like that, that has a lot of superstars and a ton of first round draft picks year after year and has only been increasing their reputation, I think, over the past several years as a great place for player development, you know, to to grab a guy off a top level junior team like that in the third round, you know, can be a, a bit of a coup. Yeah, I mean, there's a certain amount of projecting that you would do, like, as an example, there have been many players that have played for the NTDP, haven't had key roles, like Kaplan didn't have a key role, and went out and the next year uh, played for a different USHL team and then had a big year because all of a sudden they're a big fish Getting in a better pond. minutes and stuff like that. Yeah, getting better minutes, more opportunity, all of that. Um, he didn't do that, uh, but now that he's with Boston University, certainly you know the hope was there that he could do that. I think one thing... Uh, one reason the fans are invested in him is sort of because of like his upbringing, like he's a New Jersey guy. Right. And so like he, you know, look, say what you want about uh, the world, but uh, you know, people from the Northeast all generally have like the sort of the same attitude, same sort of like upbringing. There's a lot of similarities there. So, you know, the fact that he's from Bridgewater, New Jersey, it's not that far, you know, it's just down the turnpike as they say, and the fact that he said he would switch from being a Giants fan to an Eagles fan. There are certain things that I think made people like him out of the gate. He's also a big guy with a frame that certainly, uh, you know, can put more muscle on. And he's got skill. And and he's a pretty honest guy in in, in the interview. So I think those things have made him uh, one of the more talked about Flyers prospects. Even though, look, he's not ripping up college hockey, but he's having a good year. Like, he's having a good year. He's played some top-line minutes 
which is really good because again, and I've seen them on the top line quite a bit, but again, they switch things around as the college season moves on. So, you know, he's, he's moving down a little bit lately and, and that's fine. But at the end of the day, uh, and I know people who watch that team intently, like they've season tickets and they love the way he has played. He, um, he's scoring more for sure. The goals, you know, he has like eight goals. That's good. The playmaking's okay and probably could get a little better. And that's something where with someone like Lane Hudson being the um, amazing defenseman he is and puck distributor probably cuts him from doing that if he's on the ice at the same time because it's hard to do that because he's got the puck a lot. So that could be a reason where maybe that gets, you know, that changes as next year goes on because he's certainly going to go back next year. I mean, there's no question in my mind about that. So, so you have those things. And so like from the offensive perspective, things are going well. And the fact that, you know, it's his freshman season, I, I don't think you could really ask for much more. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's pretty respectable, those 19 points he has. He's really, I think, learning to be a, a bit more of a distributor. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, I've seen a bunch of his highlights where on the rush, he's super smart and knows, I think he knows when to keep the puck and, and when to dish it off to somebody. Um, he's learning to read goaltenders, I think, a lot better, especially when he's facing, you know, this NCAA goaltenders are generally very good. And yeah. so, you know, learning to adjust his shot a little bit in terms of, you know, quicker goaltender movement side to side and how to find those open spots um, to at least get shot attempts in there. He's got 40 shots on goal total for the season in 30 games played. And so you'd like to see that maybe a little higher, but also I think his passing has been really smart and, and that could account for that. You know, he's got line mates uh, who have, been uh, much higher on the score sheet that, than he has, especially when he's gotten those first line minutes um, with uh, Brown and, and Scoog. I think yeah. that's so some, a really good combination there. It is. So some of the um, things that, um, you know, I've gleaned, I went on Instat and can dig deeper or at least just get some stats that you can't get off college websites or really any other website for the NCAA. Um, he's averaging over 13 minutes of ice time, which is good. I think that's a fair number. Yeah. Uh, he's averaging over two minutes of power play time, which is great. Like that's so there's plenty of opportunity for him to get more points. And uh, again, I think that will happen over time. So all those, those things are good. Now things he has to work on. Yeah. He, he's got things he has to work on. Um, right. His hits are down a bit. And so like he's, you know, averaging less than a hit a game. So when he does it, yeah, he, he could be a good physical player and certainly can do that in the corners. Probably needs to do it a little more. Probably hasn't done it enough because he probably feels like the strength level isn't quite there when you're playing against 21, two-year-olds sometimes. And that's, you know, that's something. That's, that's something that, you know, he'll kind of ease into the pond with that. Uh, puck battles. 40% as far as winning them, that needs to get better. Again, part of the being younger, getting stronger thing. He's a big guy, but the man strength isn't quite there yet. These are all normal things. I mean, these are things where you look at them and you say, okay, um, I like what's happening here. There's no question uh, by next year he'll be a top liner for these guys. 
you know, Jay O'Brien won't be his center anymore. And who knows if Jay O'Brien will be a flyer. That's Listen, a, I wasn't going to bring it up, but they are both a whole on other that show. team. That's a whole other show that we, we could discuss at another time. But I thought at least I would sneak it in there, right. you know, for those for those wondering. Yeah, they have um, not been line mates generally so far. No, um, a little bit. A smidge, as they say. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Jay O'Brien has been on a line with Quinn Hudson and Luke Tuck. So uh, I think that line has not changed quite as much. But uh, we will continue this discussion more on what Devin needs to work on and his path to the NHL coming up next. So getting back to Devin Kaplan, I think, you know, you were talking about his hits and how they've gone down a little bit, but that it's nothing to to worry about. I think for me, when I see a guy stop hitting, it's because he's worried about doing hits for the in the right time for the right reason yeah. and making sure that if he's trying to get puck possession, that there's a way for him to then hold on to the puck at that point or having yeah. support so that he doesn't want to just hit for hitting sake. Cause you, you see that a lot. And we saw that that was a problem with Risto at the NHL level, True. you know, and then once he got that under control, his game was a lot better. So for a bigger guy like Kaplan to, to make that adjustment doesn't really worry me in the short term. I think you're right. We yeah. just have to see him like get back to that a little bit more as he gets bigger and can handle the physicality a little bit more. Yeah, but his skating looks good and, and will definitely get better over time. But, you know, right now it's good for the college level. It's not good for the NHL level yet. Uh, that's something he'll work on, but it's it, it's fine. And, you know, like I said, on the power play, he looks good there. He's, you know, he's a good power play guy. He's had experience there before. So those kinds of things are good. That bodes well, you know, for the future. Uh, but there's still time. Like, again... Don't get super excited about seeing Devin Kaplan soon because I think there's another year in college. Even if he comes out after two years, I think, you know, the end of that season, they send him to the AHL, then they give him another AHL season, and then I think, you know, you see where he's at. That's kind of the path that I think he should be on. And, you know, it's possible he needs two AHL seasons. Again, right. sometimes these bigger guys, you know, have a lot of moving parts and take a little longer to sort of put it all together. We're seeing that. Um, with Tyson Forster, even though he's younger or would be younger than the path that Kaplan's on and with Isaac Radcliffe, who, you know, may never put it together. Right. Uh, one other thing about Devin is he's got 43 penalty minutes this season yeah. in 30 games, which seems like a lot. And I know, again, with bigger guys, sometimes they, you know, have to adjust to what they can and cannot do. Uh, and get away with it a little bit. And so, that's what it is. Okay. It's it, like, that's what I worry about that, you know. He's yeah. He's a little bit of a mistakes. target to being a bigger guy. And I mm -hmm. think that, you know, that goes into it. Plus, he, you know, he is physical. So once in a while, he is going to take something like that. I haven't heard that any of these penalties are like dumb, lazy, bad. So I'm not, I'm not really overly concerned about that. I, I think, you know, we always talk about good penalties and bad penalties, and I think he's probably taken more good than bad. I, I don't watch every game. I watch a certain amount of video, and then I've listened to some others. And so I'm just guessing on that part, but I'm not overly concerned about it. But I noticed it the same way you did. 
one of the other things that is in no way, shape or form Devin Kaplan's fault per se, and he is a third round draft pick. So keeping all of that in mind, you know, when you look at projection, um, again, you sort of see him as a third liner. And there's a lot of those going around in the Flyers system. So how do you see him sort of fitting in and like, what does he need to be doing leading up to next year's training camp and development camp to really make himself stand out amongst that whole group of guys? Yeah, I think um, what a lot of players have been telling me, uh, I've probably interviewed, I'd say, 10 or 15 guys leading into this draft already. Uh, And what they're telling me is most are working on explosive skating. And that's the two-step quickness. That's the, you know, once in a while you see that burst out of Travis Konechny. A long time ago, you used to see that burst out of Claude Giroux. And, you know, you don't see it anymore, but he's made up for it in other ways. Those, that kind of skating, even for a guy his size, can really make a difference, especially if you get the puck in open ice. You see it at times with Owen Tippett, and sometimes he just can't finish. But even Owen Tippett, it's not explosive. He just he gets a little of it, a lead, and then sometimes maybe uh, if he had a little bit more, he could get it on the net a little quicker. And I think for someone like Kaplan, it's sort of the same right. thing. You know, he's you know he's got a similar frame, and you've got to find the open ice. Uh, in leagues that you're going to be in and the way to find the open ice is that little extra speed. Yeah. I I think that's a, a really important point there because again, I just see like this weird glut of guys that any one of them right. could stand out. And, you know, I think that if Kaplan could even stand out a little bit above mm-hmm. some of those guys, this camp, it's just going to bode well for him going into the following season and have the player development coaches pay more attention to him and, you know, help him along so that that following year, like you were talking about in terms of his ideal path, he can then come in, make a huge impression and be one of the top guys in Lehigh Valley going into the following season. Yeah. So in Lehigh Valley, it's a different situation, but if I look, you know, three, four years, you know, into the Flyers, let's assume Tyson Forster is there. Yeah, I don't think Forster is going to be a top liner. I think, you know, he'll be a second liner. So he, you know, that's already going to sort of block his path a little bit, right? So mm-hmm. unless he unless he's versatile enough to play either side, which I'm not sure um, he is, but maybe that's something he'll work on. So those kinds of things come into play too. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I am excited about Devin Kaplan, and I hope y'all out there are now a little bit more, too. Wrapping up with our Flyers fun thing. Man, I love a good promo, Russ, as much Mm -hmm. as anybody. And uh, we've got another Federal Donuts promo related to Snyder Hockey. And they are creating a limited edition donut that's a spiced cake with a cream cheese glaze and guava ring that has a dark chocolate drizzle. And uh, part of the proceeds of that will be going to Snyder Hockey. So go to Federal Donuts and get some of those this weekend. Yeah, I kind of wish I lived in Philly so I can, (laughs) but I 
I do go to the um, Federal Donut stand at least once a season for the Phillies because Federal Donuts real, real good. Great. Yeah. Fried chicken and donuts, man. It's I've had that for many years already. Cannot go wrong. All right. That will do it for today's show. We will be back again tomorrow. We've got weekend matchups against the Habs and the New Jersey Devils to talk about. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. If you've got questions or Flyers thoughts you want to send us, you can tweet us at Lockdown Flyers. Email us at LockdownFlyers at Gmail or comment over on YouTube. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. Have a great day, everyone.